0: Welcome to Career Buzz, the unique radio conversation that empowers lives, enriches careers, and energizes organizations. Today we explore how to use your career to help accelerate climate solutions. Hi, I'm Erica Madison, Executive Coach, Certified Career Advisor, and Founder of Erica Madison Coaching and Consulting. I'm pleased to be your host today on Career Buzz. Thanks for tuning in. Have you ever wondered if it's possible to use your skills to make a great living contributing to an issue you care about, like climate change? From helping sell solar panels as a child in Guam with her family's business, to developing relationships for the largest clean tech incubator in the U.S., Denise Hagen has discovered that she can use her love of people to help speed up climate solutions. As the Partnerships Manager at Greentown Labs located just outside Boston, Denise leverages her communication and relationship building skills along with her passion for sustainability to bring people together to form collaborations. Greentown Labs is a nonprofit catalyzing climate solutions through entrepreneurship, partnership and collaboration. What started several years ago with a few climate tech innovators collaborating in a warehouse in Cambridge, Massachusetts, has turned into a robust organization, which offers more than 200 startups in Somerville, Houston, and globally, the expertise, resources, and support they need to change the world. In my interview with Denise, she shares about the value of being part of ecosystems, cultivating mentoring relationships, and how she overcame her fear of networking. Denise, I'm curious, what do you love about what you do? That is a great question, Um,
1: and it is really what is inspiring me every day to get up and come to my job. Um, So I really love connecting with people. I think at the core of all of the work that I do is really centered around people convening and connecting communities and really creating opportunities for folks to collaborate, connect, and really help pursue the acceleration of deploying climate technology. Uh, I really enjoy finding synergies between people. I am affectionately calling it matchmaking, um, but that is really what I do on a regular basis. I'm finding what what those connection or synergy points are between people, and that is really my favorite thing about my job. It sounds very relational. It definitely is. It's really about getting to know uh, the people that you work with. So in my role as the partnership manager at Greentown Labs, I'm responsible for connecting our network of over 80 corporate partners um, who are looking to reach their climate and sustainability goals and connecting them with our over 200 startups uh, that sit across both Houston and Somerville um, and figuring out how do they support each other's needs How can our corporates provide the insight, financial, or industry support to help our startups iterate on their prototypes, accelerate, and deploy? But also, how am I finding the right solutions for the corporates? And then ultimately, creating really fertile grounds for them to connect, to seed those relationships, um, and to really learn culturally how do they connect, uh, strategically, how do they connect. Um, and also ensuring that these connections actually come forth into something fruitful. So the organization has grown a lot in recent years, is that correct? Most definitely. Um, I hear from my colleagues that just about three years ago we were a team of 15, one five, Uh, and to date we sit across both Somerville and Houston and
0: have about 50 team members. Wow, so from 15 to 50, (laughs) and from just the Massachusetts location to now also having the Texas location.
1: Yeah, it's been a really incredible journey. Um, Greentown's founding story is really grassroots. It was just for uh, MIT graduates that were really strapped for cash and realized that there was a lot of benefit beyond just splitting rent (laughs) at a warehouse space. Uh, They were realizing that coming together as a community to share tools, assist each other as they're writing grants, and really coming together as a community, because building a company on your own can be quite lonely. These things happen very naturally in Boston. they realized there was a ton of value to coming together, hired their first employee, um, Emily Reichert, who is now our CEO emeritus, and turned Greentown into what it is today. And so we were really fortunate to be in Boston, an academic epicenter <laughs> to, to say the least, with all of these really prestigious universities in the area. It's no surprise that there are all these wonderful ideas that are coming out surrounding how do we you know, do climate action, how can we address climate change. And so what happened naturally in Boston, we saw the really necessary ingredients or all the things that made Boston's ecosystem so strong, we saw that in Houston. We recognized that the energy leaders, the incumbents, um, were all in Houston. It's the energy capital of the world. Um, there's also a very strong entrepreneurship and academic uh, ecosystem as well. Um, and the populations are ginormous. You know, everything is quite literally Texas sized. <laughs> um, and one really incredible piece that we discovered was there are really strong entrepreneurship programs, very brilliant students in Houston, but we weren't seeing the connection between that entrepreneurship and academia and turning that into climate technologies or spitting out climate tech companies, much like we see here from MIT and Harvard. And so we thought that we could come in as a catalyst for the strong academic rigor, these amazing students coming in with these corporates that are incumbents in the energy in energy supply, um, and bringing all of them along for this transition. We found that uh, the engineering program at the University of Houston, for example, is larger in population than MIT. So there are more folks in the engineering program alone. And we recognize that even if one out of 100 of these students are spinning out climate tech startups at the end of their undergraduate or graduate careers, we're going to see a really robust climate tech startup ecosystem come out of there. And so it was also kind of a natural progression coming down to Houston. And we're going to continue to really strengthen that community. um, So it can be something a lot like what we're seeing in Somerville
0: and in Boston. You talked about the relational nature of your work, making these connections, sitting at the intersection of these large corporations and these tiny startups. Tell us a little bit more about what your work looks like sort of on a a week to week basis. Of course, every week being different, but what kinds of things are you involved in? Planning
1: out um, engagements, meetings, and things like that, as you mentioned, definitely vary, but the core thread throughout all my work is one, getting a really deep understanding of what are the climate and decarbonization priorities of corporates, and getting a deep understanding of the various technologies that are being developed here at Greentown. So as a climate tech incubator, we are incubating startups that are working in agriculture, buildings, electronic, uh, electricity, manufacturing, and transportation, And so these are very specific industries that we are trying to connect with our corporate partners and getting to understand their scope and how they are going to be addressing climate change and figuring out what those synergies are. And it is really based in getting to understand who is on either side. So getting to know our points of contact at the corporates are really necessary, understanding their workflow, their priorities, and their interests and getting to know our startups as well. What are their priorities? Are they currently raising? Are they even interested in these conversations in the first place? So a big key to success uh, between creating and managing these relationships between startups and corporates is setting expectations really early. That way we're able to set clear deadlines on when we need to hear responses, the types of information that we need from either party, and that way we're aligned on the goals we're trying to get to and are making sure that we have a clear path towards outcomes. Our startups are lean, mean, they're going a million miles an hour, and they're rubbing two VC nickels together um, on a regular basis. And so we need to make sure that we are getting information to them quickly, we're getting it to them clearly, or there is a clear expectation of how these connections or opportunities are going to pan out. And additionally, for many of the corporates, they are, can often get tangled up in bureaucracy or process that may not fit quite fit the timeline of our startups. And so trying to find a way to find compromise or balance between these two timelines, between these priorities, is really necessary to forming those strong connections and pushing forward partnership outcomes.
0: So when you think about the kinds of skills that you're regularly using and building in this work, it sounds like communication is for sure a big one. Tell us more about that and what are some other transferable skills that you feel that you're you're using and tapping into?
1: So one thing that I constantly find myself doing is acting as a translator between corporate partners and startups. So bringing the interests or opportunities that our corporate partners have and leveling with startups and helping them understand how they can play into those opportunities. It's really critical that I over-communicate in a lot of ways, that I provide more context than necessary or that some might think is necessary um, so that folks get the full understanding. Uh, When companies like startups and corporates are coming together, there also needs to be a cultural fit as well. They need to be operating in similar ways or have strong value alignment. That way, they are treating each other as equals, as partners through a lot of these processes. Um, and nobody is getting left behind or left out of the loop. Other soft skills or transferable skills that I've found to be really useful for this role is relationship building, relationship stewarding. There's a lot of work that needs to go into addressing climate change. I think that's something that's very clear to everybody and it is a a community effort and we need to be pulling in and calling in an entire ecosystem um, in support of this effort. And so getting to know who are the right people to talk to at different organizations is really necessary having strong relationships where it's easy to check in with them on a regular basis is extremely helpful when you're trying to facilitate introductions when you're asking for them to speak on a certain topic that they're you know industry professionals about um, or being able to comfortably ask them just for casual advice for startups, for example. Uh, Not everything has to be so formal or go through such formal methods to connect with each other. We're finding that the more casual the nature of meetings, of networking events, of these one-on-one sessions where folks are pitching, the better, you know? Folks are less nervous. uh, They're a lot more relaxed. They're way more open and flexible to seeing what those potential opportunities are. We find that encouraging people to come in with an open mind open up, opens up opportunities they would not have thought would exist. So our startups are extremely flexible folks and it's kind of playing with that flexibility that they have are so early stage that they can really accommodate what partners are looking for. And so just making sure that we're really communicating as much as possible and, and really getting
0: deep understandings of each other. So there's the communication, um, what some people might think of as over communication, but what it sounds like you're describing as being thorough and anticipating the kinds of questions and needs that people might have, um, so that you can expedite uh, the the interactions and the next steps. Um, I'm hearing relationship building, um, and also it sounds like this sort of culture building or um, creating spaces um, that are comfortable for people where they can engage and, and be authentic and, and curious?
1: Most definitely. I hear very often that our um, investors, corporate partners that are working in research and development will come across hundreds if not thousands of different types of technologies that, may be, that they may be able to integrate into their business lines at their companies. It's really difficult for that to jump off a page jump off of a page for them. It's really hard to understand, you know, is this a plug-and-play solution? Will I actually be able to work really well with these companies? Or I don't know enough about them and getting in touch or getting to understand them might be kind of difficult. And so what Greentown serves to do and what I do is facilitate those opportunities for us to break down the barriers of needing to be overly professional, needing to really put your guard up about these conversations, because folk, when you are coming with an open mind, not only about your potential to collaborate some with somebody, but the potential for you to provide them access to a broader network or know who could be a great connection, is also hugely valuable. Uh, we are a largely in-person uh, based membership model here at Greentown Labs. And we see huge success in the fact that folks are just sitting next to each other, um, that there are so many opportunities for serendipitous meetings. You know, The water cooler conversations have not gone out of style. In fact, they are some of the most important conversations you could have at a place like this. And so creating as many chances as possible for people to talk to either learn about investment opportunities, to meet a fellow founder, to talk through any issues that they have as well. Any spot, any place that we can create that will facilitate these warm connections, the better. Um, We just really wanna make it easy as possible for people to get to know each other, to see the potential
0: and to continue to have these meetings. And when you observe startups, are there certain best practices that you have detected Oh, most definitely.,
1: uh, so these folks are sitting across different industries. they are at different levels of readiness. you know they are they're all very completely unique. It's amazing that we can have you know two hundred twenty something completely unique companies with nine hundred employees sitting across all of these folks, and so there's a lot to get to know. Um, And the best thing to do is to just listen. Listen to what our startups are interested in, what they're working on. It's not an uncommon question for me to ask, like, who is your dream partner? Who is going to give you the expertise or the connections or infrastructure access that you need? And so each of their needs is really, are very different and specific depending on the industry, whether or not they're focused on hardware or software but the key to getting what they need is taking the time to really speak with them. Um, there may be you know, common themes across multiple startups that result in programs, equipment made available, uh, facilities here at Greentown, that's how we came to be, you know, just listening and hearing what do folks actually need. Um, and then also learning from startups that are a little bit further down the line that have raised a couple rounds that have maybe gone into deployment and taking the time to learn what they're doing and figuring out what worked for them, what didn't, and how I can bring that to other startups. Learning about their success is so exciting and very meaningful, very, really warms my heart, um, and that does come from getting to know them on a pretty individual level. So getting to know each of these companies, getting to know their technology really well so that I can represent them um, if I'm speaking about them or suggesting a connection with them, Um, and making sure I'm checking up with them, as well after connections are made, because they may be one of dozens of startups that a corporate is speaking to, and so as, As a Greentown member, as someone who is responsible for these startups, it's my job to also
0: advocate and be a little bit of a squeaky wheel for them. It sounds like having this kind of environment, the support and guidance and this incubation is incredibly valuable for startups. So I'm curious if there are startups out there that are not part of some kind of community like this, whatever their industry might be, what would you recommend to them?
1: I would recommend finding your closest incubator or finding your closest innovation center. Any place that is actively seeking to convene an ecosystem around your industries, your your industry interests or expertise, that is the first and most necessary uh, step for a lot of folks. One of the most amazing things about climate tech and working in climate tech is that it is a smaller a smaller world than you would think. Folks are highly interconnected, and there is no gatekeeping um, from one company to the other or from one focus in climate tech to the other. People want solutions. They want answers. They want to be connected. When somebody knows something, they are sharing it widely, and they're sharing it freely. Um, And so accessing community in any form, either virtually or in person, is really necessary for a lot of these startups it's not it's not uncommon feedback to hear from founders that they don't know what they would be doing if it wasn't for Greentown. You know, usually these are teams of 2 to 3 that are coming coming to us and they are going to get over a million dollars in resources at no additional cost to their membership, access to Tons of investors, corporate partners, subject matter expert, uh, subject matter experts, just this wide variety of resources that are not only meant to help them build out a company, but also support them, support them emotionally as well, create a sounding board, uh, have folks to fall back on and to ask for help. Uh, the more folks that you have coming into a space to support each other, the better, because you're going to find those resources in your neighbor or you know the person sitting two desks down who is focusing on a chemistry that you're interested in breaking into as an answer for your prototype. And so when we're creating all these little special pockets of information, we're finding experts in the space and we're, cre- and we're essentially bringing down as many barriers as possible to scaling up climate tech. And so having us all here together, connecting with other folks in this space, people are generous with their networks, and so it is not unlikely that you will meet somebody who, if they are not a good fit for you, will find a good fit for you. And it just tends to be the natural personalities of folks working in climate tech. So if you are not currently connected to an incubator or climate community somewhere, I would highly advise you know finding the one nearest to you, finding an online community, there's a lot of help out there. People really do want to
0: connect with each other. Wonderful. And also, I'm, I'm interested to hear about how these concepts relate to job seekers, maybe folks who are looking to pivot. Um, maybe it's into climate work or sustainability, or it could be something entirely different, but these concepts might still apply to them. What um, would you recommend to, to folks who are looking to make some type of change in their careers?
1: I would have them first believe that there is space for them. There is a ton of space for everyone in the climate tech industry. There are jobs opening every day as we are seeing more and more startup companies open. We are seeing a rise in incubators or accelerators as companies are realizing the necessity of working with early stage innovation. Anything that you could do in an industry outside of climate, there is a climate alternative for it. You know, folks that may feel that they've been siloed into one type of work within a company will find that perhaps they can do that within climate. There's there's always a, a climate counterpart to a lot of the jobs that we're seeing. And also understanding that climate the climate tech is a relatively new industry. Um, about 10 years ago, you'd be hard pressed to find climate tech startups. And now, you know, we're sitting in a building with 160 of them. <laughs> and so that's not it's not going to be uncommon to find, you know, new jobs opening in climate and the functional things that I used to think could never break into climate were actually exactly what got me in here. I, for a long time, had been convinced that I needed to be an engineer, that I had to have a really strong science or math background, that I needed to do a PhD in something to touch any of this. I'm really great at talking to people, and here I am. <laughs> uh, you, there are so many skills that can play into climate. We are essentially building out an industry and need an entire ecosystem to come in and support. And so taking a look at what folks are really good at, what they're strong at, what their passions have been in whatever industry that they're currently sitting in, there is probably an opening like that in climate right now for them. And so folks are able to transition over with these skills that they've developed and do it in service of climate. Um, One very interesting thing that may be be encouraging to folks looking to transition industries is that while we see a lot of founders that come out of Harvard and MIT here in Somerville, in Houston, we are seeing a huge number of mid-career oil and gas converts. Uh, so folks are later stages in their career, have a little bit more development and expertise, and then they've decided to make the jump into climate tech using everything that they've learned through their industries in service um, of climate action. And so there's, there's a way to cross over. The, the, net, the network, this community is, is one to call in instead of call out. And there is plenty of room for folks. Um, and if you don't find the right opportunity immediately, there are so many resources that are being put out. Um, this, this network is really generous with itself. Um, and so somebody will continue
0: to pass you along until you find the right. Opportunity and fit within climate tech. So it sounds like there are a lot of opportunities and not only for the engineers for the scientists and so forth, but really for people with um, any kind of skill set or interests you could imagine. Um, What are some of the best practices that you've seen people employ to transition into this kind of work?
1: Some of the best practices that I've seen for folks who are looking to transition into climate tech is to utilize the very strong relationship-based nature of this industry. Because it's very new, a lot of the connections that are made are done, you know, personally. You are getting to know an individual, so when you Start your climate tech startup, for example, you already know who the best people are. Another thing is that many of these companies or organizations are just getting off the ground and they have three to five employees and are looking to scale up to a 50 person operation, it's hard for them as an organization to really publicize that information. If they're you know, just three folks that are going as fast as they can, sometimes they don't have the means to communicate that externally to catch all of the really great applicants or folks that could fill in this team and make it really powerful. So getting involved in the network Speaking to, you know, these, these conveners of the climate tech space, um, getting to know who are posting jobs, who are thought leaders in the space, listening to these people, keeping in touch with the trends listening to the news that comes out about climate tech, those are really great cues and opportunities to step into the space, talking to somebody who's already there. They may have strong ideas about where you could fit in or how to cater the way you're applying or approaching these applications in the view in the perspective of climate. Essentially start to get to know people is, is really the biggest is really the biggest piece of advice there. Is that Because a lot of these really do rely on relationships and getting to know other people, lean into the fact that this is a community that wants to pull people in and and start there. Just start by speaking, letting people know what your skills and your talents are, because it's highly likely that there's either a startup or accelerator out there who's looking to pull these types of people in.
0: And it sounds like there are a number of events both in person and online through organizations like the one that you work for and beyond that serve to convene people and showcase some of the thought leadership that's out there. Could you share a little bit more about how that could also maybe be a key ingredient for people who are looking to get into this kind of work.
1: Events that are put on by climate tech organizations, perhaps even research organizations about climate topics, these serve as really cool opportunities to enter into this industry. One, because you're learning a lot about climate tech. When you are hearing startups pitch about their technologies, you're learning about the trends of how people are looking to address climate change, you listen to panels about corporate and startup partnership and outcomes. And so you can learn about how does this strategy work? How are folks connecting? How did we get from someone having a problem and someone having a solution to uh, having a partnership signed and having these two companies work very closely together? What is that process? And these folks are very publicly willing to talk through that process. You're going to be able to meet startups that are working in the space and get an understanding of what are those technologies being developed. You'll meet corporates who are working in the space, investors as well, to learn about where is the market going and what are the priorities that a lot of these companies are putting into place. But then you'll also find ecosystem players. You'll find ecosystem friendlies, folks that may not be working directly in climate itself but are really key players in connecting that ecosystem and they are, you know, they're really great to find. They will connect you to people they know. And it, it is truly relationship-based, so coming into these opportunities and speaking to other attendees will simply open more doors for you to connect either within companies, learn more about a, a career pathway that is super intriguing or interesting, or find yourself to be an ecosystem connector yourself as you begin to
0: learn about others and find those synergies between people. You mentioned these connectors. Are there certain categories that you think of which people might want to be aware of if they're seeking to get into this kind of work? Most definitely. So
1: there are there is a climate tech community to be managed broadly speaking across the United States, across the across the world essentially and Utilizing innovation centers, for example, like Greentown Labs, uh, Plug and Play, Techstars, Y Combinator, these are those convening points. And so stepping into those convening points is really where folks will start to get an understanding of this is how the ecosystem comes in. How do we work together? And we all do that meeting in this central place like Greentown Labs. And so I think these connector pieces can exist in a lot of different ways. They can exist in business development partnership roles, but they can also exist in community engagement roles where folks are stepping out into the broader community. This could also be things like startup success where you get to know the startups and connect them to an ecosystem in which provides resources for them so that they can succeed. Ecosystem connectors can definitely be a really broad word and and can be a lot of different types of people. You know, it could be a VP of sustainability who really cares very personally and passionately about this and shows up to all of Greentown's events and spends time getting to know people. So sometimes it can exist as an institution that is responsible for it, but there are also just some people that, over the past 10 years, have really loved climate tech, have really loved this ecosystem, and are institutions of them uh, of themselves just by nature of the fact that they're here. They know who to talk to. They're the right person to talk
0: to, and have of become an ecosystem convener um as an individual mm. so these ecosystem um, connectors could be institutions and it could also be in the form of individuals yes yes and so that can come from
1: folks who have a lot of experience in either vc or climate tech in general so we have many investor friends that have spent over a decade with greentown labs in in the periphery, coming to events, meeting with startups. And so they've seen what pathways previous startups have gone through you know, before they were acquired or commercialized or went public um, that can provide that kind of guidance. We have, iconically enough, a professor of one of the four original founders of Greentown Labs comes in he visits us on, on a regular basis. And so as we're growing as an organization, we're able to look to these ecosystem connectors, these veterans of climate tech and get a good understanding of our history, where we came from, what have we been trying, what is something that we've constantly struggled with that perhaps they have the perspective to kind of, you know, alleviate that obstacle. And having them kind of watch what are the trends of climate tech. You know, if we see a startup working with a partner and XYZ happens, having this having these in-house experts that have seen this over the last decade helps us navigate these relationships and provide really good advice. It's very fascinating watching who has come into this space to play. Some of them have been investors that have generally been interested in startups, realize the value of climate tech, the magic of Greentown and just kept hanging out. And then other folks are just ecosystem connectors by nature of who they are as people, and it may not necessarily be in climate, uh, but they, they know how to move and connect people, and that is extremely valuable in this space. As folks need to meet each other, they, there might not be always the best opportunities to promote or advertise yourself and the technologies that you do so that folks can come in to help or that they can seek you as a solution. Um, teams are small so marketing is tough you know getting who you are out there as a team of two super tough (laughs) Uh, so it, it is really relationship based but it's also the duty of folks like greentown to really to lift them up and provide those spotlights and opportunities to speak on stage to talk with partners you know to be publicly visible
0: that's what what that's what we're here to do is to shine the spotlight for them so in addition to attending events, are there any kinds of hands-on projects, whether it's volunteering, interning, apprenticeships, um, any kinds of things like that that folks who are looking to enter the climate tech space might be able to tap into?
1: Yeah, there are a series of um, there are things like VC University. So there are online programs that will take us several weeks where you can learn really the ins and outs about climate and business. Um, There are lots of different programs that are available online and in person for folks to understand, you know, climate careers, figuring out that transition, Um, but really utilizing things like the Climate Tech VC newsletter um, or Nick Osdool's Keeping Climate Cool. There are several different podcasts, newsletters, things like that, that are serving to inform folks about the trends that we're seeing in climate. And so that climate education piece is also really necessary. Learning about policy is really necessary. I think the most important thing for a lot of folks that are looking to enter into climate tech is just getting the education around the space. And that doesn't have to be in a formal sense. You know, That can be, again, through podcasts, through coming
0: to watch Uh, presentations about climate technologies and more. You're listening to Career Buzz on CIUT 89.5 FM in Toronto and worldwide at CIUT.FM. Stories show that who you are matters. I'm your host, Erica Madison. Before continuing on with today's show, I'd like to remind you about other Career Buzz episodes about inspiring career stories. To check them out, go to CareerCycles.com and click Podcast, or subscribe to the podcast Career Buzz on your favorite podcast app. We appreciate you leaving us a review. I want to let listeners know about the September 27, 2023 episode of Career Buzz, where I interview Maria Duffy. Maria's personal connection to a cause led her to pivot from art consulting to nonprofit fundraising. Did you know you can find Career Buzz on Facebook? We have links to past episodes, photos, and more. Go to Facebook.com slash CareerBuzzShow. Now, back to my interview with Denise Hagan, partnerships manager at Greentown Labs. Say more about the opportunities for people to gain hands-on experience in the climate tech world.
1: In Boston, this is a very large uh, student community. I believe the statistic is one in four individuals in Boston is a student, um, at least between September to May. Um, and so at the university level, both undergraduate and at graduate levels, there are often things like clean energy clubs, environmental organizations, in which folks are able to volunteer their time to get this experience. These are really great educational opportunities as well. It's not uncommon to see many of these clubs have speakers that are actively in a climate career that can speak to their experiences, what did they study, who did they talk to, what that journey was, um, to really help shape that route outside as they are exiting university. Outside of school and college, there are typically local grassroots organizations that are focused on climate action. And so these are really great organizations to begin to connect with, put in some volunteer work, and really understand what that climate tech ecosystem looks like beautiful opportunity to begin to make those early connections as well. And you never know, things may turn from a volunteer opportunity to a full time offer at a, at a climate tech company. It's truly about seeding these relationships early, acting like a sponge and really soaking in everything you can and just learning all that you can. And continually making yourself available. And creating those opportunities, communicating that you're interested in certain fields of practice, for example, that way this ecosystem can listen and pull you in
0: and kind of help you figure out what those opportunities actually are. So there are ways that people can get hands-on experience in their communities through activism, or if they're affiliated with a college or university, options there as well, that's great to hear. Um, I, I know a lot of folks who have, have been able to tap into those as part of their career journey. Um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, speaking of career journeys, how did you get into what you're doing? And I will say that you and I initially met at Boston University when I was leading communications for Boston University Sustainability, and you were a student leader, very passionate about environmental issues. Um, So tell us a little bit more about uh, your journey thus far that got you to this point.
1: My favorite joke to make, because I am a very recent graduate, is that I have actually been in the solar industry for 15 years. (laughs) It all began when I was nine years old, and my dad started a company um, uh, installing solar systems onto residential houses in Guam. We were the first solar installation company and the first kind of organization to bring residentially accessible renewable power to Guam. There were there was a lot of skepticism around you know will this actually stay on my roof is this you know it's a lot of money up front what are the savings of this we experience extreme storms is my roof going to disappear if I you know attach a solar system and so my job um, was quality assurance I was given a rubber mallet. And told to stand in front of these solar panels and swing at it as hard as I could to show how strong they were. (laughs) So when we had open houses where folks could like go up on the roof and see that my job was to you know prove how strong these things were and that they could stand up to tropical typhoons and that really kind of piqued my interest in like what even is this technology? How is this panel making my water hot why is this panel powering my tv those were really in those initial interest questions you know in the fourth grade being like this is coming from the sun this is incredible technology why aren't we using this more often and how empowering
0: to feel like you're as strong as a typhoon. Exactly. I just say? exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, my my dad was like, and now for the demonstration of Typhoon Denise. And then ah. I would
0: go and swim. Okay. So you had training from a very early age and were part of a startup. Since yeah. you were a child. So yeah. It's, it's not really any wonder now that you, you find yourself doing the kind of work that you're doing. That's I didn't know that story. Thank yeah. you for sharing okay. that. <laughs> looking, looking back at it, it makes a lot of sense that I ended up here indeed yeah a lot of experience in the solar industry from a very young age and so then where did you go from there
1: I got to watch my dad really figure out how to integrate solar into the energy infrastructure of Guam I got to watch him navigate the policy and legislation I got to you know watch this little solar ant go up against a you know utilities commission lion uh, for years and watching my dad have conversations about the necessity of bringing in solar for energy security for the island, how necessary it was to reduce our dependency on fossil fuels. I read so many Rocky Mountain Institute papers in high school and you know felt a very personal sense and interest of the urgency of this energy transition and how important it is for us to address climate change. When I got into college, I found really, when I started attending Boston University, I found so many amazing opportunities to really put in some climate action. I had joined an organization called Epsilon Eta, which is a multi-gender professional fraternity that focuses on the professional opportunities in the environmental field in general um, for undergrad opportunities. I was the co-president for that, and so I was able to find opportunities for my colleagues to learn about professional development. How could they be extremely hireable, attractive candidates for stepping into these climate-related jobs? I was able to join Boston University Student Government as the Director of Environmental Affairs and be able to speak on behalf of the student body on our sustainability priorities. I was able to work with sustainability at BU to learn about the different, campaigns that were being put into place to reduce waste at Boston University to encourage more sustainable practices being able to engage with my peers in in a collective sense in pursuit of climate action really made me feel empowered and really feel a sense of enjoyment in calling in a community i was able to call in a wide variety of majors at Boston University um, all of these folks were coming together for the common goal of wanting to work in climate they were focusing in marketing in history in engineering in you know climate science itself but all we wanted to do was come together and create those resources so that we could be successful and find you know roles in climate and so that has really helped shape a lot of my ability to connect, convene, and network within climate. Um, While I was a senior at Boston University, I was able to join Patagonia as their retail environmental coordinator um, out of the Cambridge store, and then eventually also managing the Boston store. That was an absolute pleasure. Uh, I was able to work with grassroots local nonprofits that were focusing on climate action, direct climate action versus addressing the symptoms of climate change. I was able to support these organizations by leading our grant delivery program. We were able to give out a little over $80,000 every single year to multiple groups to support their action in Boston's local community. I was able to meet these people, understand what their priorities are, and try to figure out how Patagonia as an organization is able to come in and help them. I was meeting uh, all of these different community leaders, understanding you know, what are, the, what are the environmental issues in Boston and how can we use business for good to address these issues or provide the necessary resources so that these organizations that are doing the good work can continue to do it. I was able to really dig in and understand how do we address these systemically and how do we also address those root causes? And working through Patagonia's Retail Environmental Program definitely strengthened that love of people, that climate optimism that like, if we are community-based, if we are doing this as a collective, there is hope, there is possibility, and there is really large impact. And so I was with Patagonia for about a year and a half doing that role specifically, and it introduced me to such a wide breadth of the incredible work that's being done in Boston. You know, the focus of urban canopy, of having access to the outdoors for young children, about protecting our natural resources from becoming things like landfills. There is just a wide host of different issues that we're addressing, and there are unique solutions to it all. And that has truly, that really opened up my eyes to the optionality that there is in fighting climate change. Um, eventually, I was introduced to Greentown Labs, and I saw the partnerships coordinator position. Actually, after reading that position, I thought this is this is me. In a job description, it was everything that I was doing at Patagonia at such a larger scale. I was not just taking the resources from one company to help, you know, one small area of focus. I'm now able to leverage, you know, the infrastructure, influence, and capabilities of over eighty plus corporate partners, able to connect all of the resources and you know combined millennia of <laughs> of expertise that all of these companies have and give it to create opportunities for them to thrive and succeed and really really help address climate change in really meaningful ways. And I'm you know, I took what I was doing at Patagonia and multiplied it by a thousand and I found myself here in Greentown. And it has been such a pleasure every single day. I am deeply understanding corporate sustainability and climate goals. Finding such incredible technologies every single day, getting to walk through the lab and watch these world-changing technologies being developed 50 feet away from my desk. It's its bananas to be frank. And so it's been such an incredible journey, understanding what it's like to connect with people, understand their needs, and then also to just find pleasure in supporting others. and. Figuring out the different avenues and different ways that I can find support for other people. There's been a long history of pulling in communities, of not being the only person barreling towards a goal at high speeds, um, and has resulted in a very
0: fun, people-centered, climate-optimistic career. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing about your journey. Um, I, I wonder what people who've known you for a long time and uh, recall your involvement as a child. Think about uh, what's happening now in your career. Any any insights into that?
1: Oh, my parents are not surprised that I do a lot of talking still on a daily basis. I have always been a very talkative person, um, but now I have really interesting really interesting
0: things to say. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you're getting paid to do work that you love that makes yeah. a positive difference
1: in the world. It's really really fun. My my family had always wondered where would I end up. I I wondered for a long time where I would want to end up. I wanted to be a marine biologist for a really long time until I realized how much science and math goes into that. <laughs> uh, I you know I have a really deep appreciation for research and writing, and so I thought maybe I'd be a lawyer for a really long time. But then I just could not get away from climate and you know, working in sustainability and connecting with other people and my family is quite impressed that I'm able to find a job where I am just talking with everybody every single day. But it's such a pleasure and they're really excited to see me thriving. And there's there's definitely a level of you're getting paid for this? <laughs>
0: you know? <laughs> like like shock and, and disbelief that I could have so much fun at work. Well, it sounds like it's such a great fit for you, for your personality, for your interests.
1: Yeah, it most certainly is, and I and I do really feel grateful for the fact that I'm working at Greentown. Because we're such a new company, we were so small for so long, we're just like all of our startups. We are you know, lean, we have a lot of changes, transitions are easy to make, and there's a lot of room for growth, and so coming into Greentown The journey has also not been too prescribed to me as well. I'm able to try out everything that I can, go on tours, take certain meetings, attend certain events and things like that, and figure out what is really meaningful. What am I really good at? And my team does a fantastic job at also seeing those things and allowing me the space and bandwidth to pursue what I'm best at. I love welcoming in this community, I love bringing in corporate partners and introducing them to this work. I love pulling out kind of what are your pain points? What are these opportunities? And and in the back of my head, I can flip through all of these startups because I'm like a sponge because their information is so cool (laughs) that I'm figuring out these synergies on the spot. And a lot of this is serendipitous that, oh, how funny you mentioned an interest in this. I have eight companies, that would be a great fit. Let's continue talking about this. Um, it's fun, it's exciting, and being able to be a catalyst for, you know, acceleration or deployment of these technologies for startups is extremely meaningful. I sit with these folks every single day, um, it it feels like a college campus, you know, you've got all your friends doing separate things, you hang out in the cafeteria for lunch, Someone is always on finals week. (laughs) Um, And I get to really know these people. And so I also feel a personal investment in their success. And so it's not just, you know, a company that I'm incubating. It is is this team, this group of people that I know and I've had lunch with and I see on a regular basis. And it, it means a lot that I get to be a catalyst for their success and that I can continue to be a catalyst for their success. And I get to cheer them on on the side
0: you were really able to take that experience that you've been developing over the years and scale it to the level that you're at now with this incubator that you're at and then you know become such a tremendous resource for all of these different companies that you are working with you have hit it right on the head with that the scalability
1: of being able to call in you know an ecosystem has been something that's really worked to my benefit you know start small, get to know a few people, get really comfortable getting to know people. I had to overcome a fear of networking, you know? Hard to believe that at one point I was afraid of networking, but now i you cannot get me out of the networking room. Yeah, you know? how
0: did you deal with that? Because that is something that so many people are intimidated by, have very averse reactions of to of the course. word networking, <laughs> how did you get past that?
1: I realized that I don't have to be the most knowledgeable person in the room. I don't even have to be the most interesting or funniest person in the room, but what I do need to bring is an interest, is, is an openness and a willingness to get to know other people and that networking doesn't necessarily have to result in us scheduling a meeting at the end. I am simply extending welcomes and hellos into my ecosystem, welcome to my space. I wanna make you feel comfortable here too. But I also really enjoy the prospect of being able to create a connection, and that's really exciting. And just getting, being able to step out and figure out, there are so many interesting people in this room. I could help facilitate, you know, connections um, to really interesting people for other people. You know, I can step into a conversation and be able to, you know, convene this entire community around me. And I, and I think the biggest thing that helped me get over networking was realizing that people just want to connect. It's it's just a matter of, of humans connecting with other humans. There is no scary expectation. I'm not going to be asked to recite you know things I should have memorized for some reason. Um, and people just want to get to know who you are. They're interested in what role you play in the ecosystem. And you can even learn about how they play into the ecosystem. And so it is a... It was a terribly daunting thing until I realized that this is just getting to know other people. I don't have to come prepared to speak on something. I don't have to deliver a presentation and spend days preparing for it. Simply stepping into that conversation and seeing where these people will lead this conversation, or asking questions, simply to get to know other people, really leads to some incredible conversations. Um, And a lot of them happen in front of the bevy downstairs, which is our unofficial member of the partnerships team. You have some
0: really cool beverage machines here. We do. Our our
1: innovators run on uh, sugar and coffee. We keep them them (laughs) fed, and we keep them caffeinated, and somehow we will stop climate change.
0: (laughs) So a lot of connecting happening, relationship building, um, coming in with this curious mindset, this growth mindset, really ready to learn, um, asking questions. Um, how How has mentorship factored into your career thus far?
1: Mentors have been hugely instrumental in really helping me build up my confidence in this space. Um, coming into, I've been with Greentown Labs for about a year and a half, and that was my first serious professional step into climate tech where I would need to understand you know, emerging climate technologies, understand those corporate sustainability and development goals, and understand the really complex technology that our folks are developing here, and just so, soaking it all in truly,
0: and, and getting to understand these folks. When you think about how mentors have impacted you, um, what do you think you've gained by having mentors or maybe by being a mentor to others?
1: Yeah, in the climate tech space, there are so many different exciting topics. It's not difficult to get distracted or find myself, you know, going down a rabbit hole in one technology and only focusing in on that. I have been extremely, extremely grateful for the mentors that I've had at Greentown Labs for really helping me open up that field of view, um, you know, go a little bit more high level in that strategic vision and understand that, you know, I can be really, really great at what I am supposed to be doing and that it's okay to not be focusing on the peripheral or what is happening outside of you. and. Having these folks really help me navigate through, you know, what are the priorities that we as a partnerships team specifically need to be navigating on has really helped shape what information am I learning or paying attention to? What events am I attending? What kind of conversations am I having? Uh, that would better inform me, you know, in service of corporate partners or in service of the members. And to the point of confidence, watching somebody that you admire, you know, watching them do a tour, give a presentation, have a really meaningful strategic conversation with corporate partners, attempting to do that on your own and having that person who you view as like the one who has it down to say, that was great. or. I saw you did a really fantastic job to take you to task next time, we'll work on this, is extremely validating, It is extremely great for my self-confidence as well to know that okay I'm learning, I am able to apply this learning and I'm able to do it successfully. And having somebody watch that growth and also see me in this entirety of the journey is really meaningful too. It's hard to gauge where I am in my journey sometimes because I'm literally on it, but to have a mentor who you know, is, is several years ahead of me and can see this as you know, one chapter in the entire story, having that perspective is also hugely valuable. Mm. Because sometimes I can forget that I'm so young, that I'm so early in my career, in my professional journey, that I'm asking myself, why haven't I done XYZ yet? But for, you know, a mentor who is, you know, 10, 15 years ahead of me to go, you don't even have to be there yet, or you you don't have to be anything like this yet, is is really assuring, and it helps me, again, refocus on what I need to do right now.
0: Mm, So those mentors helping you develop that perspective, um, not being too hard on yourself, and being able to provide you with feedback and encouragement... Yeah, that yeah. sounds like it could be really valuable. In a
1: big way, in a big way, it has been really. It has been such a pleasure, especially to do these things that I really enjoy. Learning that you know I have mentors that are watching this happen and go, "You're a little bit like me when I was in my early 20s." is is so validating to know. Okay, I'm doing the right things. I'm heading on the right track. If I want to be like this person, you know, I'm I'm doing what I need to do. To get there. And it's very reassuring too, and it gives me a ton of motivation to know that it is doable. You know, that Mm. they moved their mountains so that I know that I can move mine. And just being able to have somebody to model against and know that, like, this is what it looks like to be, you know, a successful ecosystem convener. I can model myself to this, and I can also learn from their mistakes. You know, I don't have to put my hand into the fire to know it's hot because they already did that. And instead, I am coming off from a foundationally stronger place, because I have that expertise and their experiences with me, too, that I can take what they've done and what they've built and launch off of that. And I'm really grateful for you know everyone that's blazed a trail ahead of me and made this pathway really clear. I used to think I knew everything at one point. I'm so glad I'm not 16 anymore, <laughs> and I, I love love the idea that there is so much to learn in this field and that there are so many people who are so generous with this information that I'm just soaking it all in as much as I can and cannot emphasize how important and incredible it is to have
0: mentors as I'm developing as a professional. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today, to share your story. I think it's going to be really inspirational for folks. And um, I wish you the best with um, the important work that you're doing.
1: Thank you so much. It's my absolute pleasure. Always nice to spend some time with you and chat through all of the fun that I've been having.
0: You've been listening to Career Buzz. Stories show that who you are matters. I'm your host, Erica Madison. I'm founder of Erica Madison Coaching and Consulting. I provide coaching and advising services to help people navigate professional challenges and transitions so they can lead fulfilling, impactful careers. Visit ericamadison.com to learn more. That's E-R-I-C-A-M-A-T-T-I-S-O-N.com. Thanks again to my guest, Denise Hagan. Check out Greentown Labs at greentownlabs.com To learn more about their ecosystem of climate tech innovators. Technical production by Heidi Huang. Subscribe to Career Buzz on your favorite podcast app and find it at the podcast link on careercycles.com. Catch Career Buzz every Wednesday at 11 a.m. on CIUT. That's it for today's episode of Career Buzz. Thanks for listening.